Thank you for tuning in to the Curator's Cup podcast, a podcast where creators tell their stories. This podcast is produced by Timbrook Group. Timber Group is a group of creators who are striving to make the world a more beautiful place through the things that they create. You are welcome here, and we're excited to share our stories with you. Welcome back to the barn for another episode of the Curator's Cup podcast. This is Trent, your magical radio DJ, taking you into the world of story. Today is a special one for me. I love coffee, and the coffee industry has played a huge role in my life for the better part of a decade. And these are the kinds of conversations with other coffee professionals that are a ton of fun for me to have. Not to mention, it's the first episode of our podcast where we actually are able to sit down together, which was the initial intent of the podcast in the first place. I believe that coffee is community and not competition, and I loved getting to celebrate Utopian Coffee, not just for how excellent their coffee is, but for how beautifully they operate their business. I'm joined by Nick, their head roaster, and Levi, their sales, wholesale, and social media manager, and talk about the things that make their job special to them. Spoiler alert, listeners, it has a lot to do with community and the people that they interact with. So... If you're into coffee, if you want to know more about modern-day wizards, or you love a good story, this one's for you. Here is my conversation with Nick and Levi from Utopian Coffee. I'm Levi. Uh, I run wholesale for Utopian Coffee, and I'm about finding happiness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Nick. I am the roaster and quality control dude for Utopian. Some might call me a wizard. And I'm about doing wizard things in my spare time. That explains the cape and cloak. Yes, yes. <laughs> for those of you that can't see right now. I was just wondering what that was. <laughs> so I, uh, I've kind of always had a preoccupation with coffee. My dad was, um, despite being a doctor of sorts, has always had coffee in his life. He introduced me to coffee at a young age and just coming up in the... Uh, the mid to late 2010 era world uh, when dark roast was kind of coming out of style and light third wave stuff was kind of coming into style. I, I found myself at a, a cafe that Levi was actually a part of at the time. I fell in love with an Ethiopian natural coffee that changed my life and kind of been addicted to coffee ever since just tinkering around with pour over or reading about it or anything like that. Uh, and it, Ended up becoming a roaster after being a barista for a number of years, and now I just roast a lot of coffee and drink a lot of coffee every day, and that's what I'm about, which is like <laughs> the dream, the dream. Yeah, I got my first coffee job in 2011. Um, I was a university student at the time. Um, I'd had a restaurant job since I was like 16. Um, I'd waited tables before. I found out that I really enjoyed hospitality work. Um, it felt really easy and natural to walk up to a group of people I didn't know and um, make them feel good and have an enjoyable experience. And uh, when, I, when I got my coffee job, I realized that it was very similar, but I was throwing in some more skill-based stuff as well, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I fell really hard for latte art, um, and uh, I know a lot of baristas have that story for a bunch of... All just a bunch of fanboys, really. <laughs> fanboys and fangirls, and um, just just really, uh, yeah, that was that was it. So I dove in heavy, 
Um, I moved out west. Um, I was working a different full-time job. I still had a part-time job on the side doing coffee. It kind of stuck with me. I moved to Indiana in 2013 and got my first full-time job as a barista with the Abbey Coffee Company. That was actually where I met Nick. I was one of his one of his first baristas who served him some some really legit coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is way back. Um, and uh, yeah, I was there for a period of time, left for a bit, came back. Uh, in 2016, I took over the roasting program. We're just a little oh. micro roaster, um, just a little three kilos. This was at Abbey. This was at the Abbey Coffee yeah. Company, yeah, in Marion, Indiana. Um, so I took over the roasting program and then um, took over... Uh, the managerial duties of the shop and kind of functioned as operator um, in 2017 and oversaw the roasting program still. So uh, was that, was doing that up until um, 2019 when I joined Utopian and uh, started started doing some wholesale action. Yes, I love yeah. that. Do you remember your first latte art? Like the not, not even the competition, just the first time you attempted to do latte art. Do you remember mm. what that was like, and what did you create? Oh, uh, I mean, not much. I'm I'm sure. Uh, I, we didn't see. We, it was like a university cafe. We didn't really have anyone teaching us about yeah. latte art. But of course, there was YouTube, and there were. I mean, 2011 was a different time for latte art on the internet. <laughs> uh, it just wasn't as much, and a lot of it was bad. And there were a few like uh, uh, heroes, like Ryan Soder, who um, I think was with Intelligentsia still at the time. There was like an eHow video for how to do like a couple mm, eHow, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. eHow series, <laughs> and I would watch his I would watch his Rosetta and Tula video over and over and over again. <laughs> I remember the first time I tried, like some of my barista coaches, I guess, that trained me were just some of the most incredible latte artists. And I was like, oh yeah, they make it look so easy. And I go in, it's just not like, not even a blob shows up. It's just oh, it's, nothing. It's like, I'm like, oh. white out, just weird. Yeah. Mine yeah. was a brown owl. <laughs> That's something else, man. Yeah. Sink it all the way. Been, been there. Sink all the way to the middle. Oh, man. Uh, Nick, yeah. tell me about kind of how you got got connected with Utopian and, and kind of what that was like. Yeah, so at the time I was working at a really small coffee shop in a, a like a little town called North Webster. It's like a, a lake town in Indiana. So if you know anything about lake towns in Indiana, um, in the summer they're super busy in the rest of the year, they are ghost towns. Uh, so a, co- uh, a coffee shop had opened up in a church, um, actually right across the street from another coffee shop. And um, they were like really, really wanted to be all about coffee um, and spent a lot of money to have the nicest equipment. And basically they had all the nicest equipment you could really buy for the, with the money they had. Um, and nobody then knew how to make coffee in the whole building. And so they, I, at the time I was getting ready to leave a different barista job that just kind of like, it was time to try something new. They got a hold of me. And so I was working at this super small cafe in a small town in Indiana in the middle of winter. So literally I probably saw eight people a day in the entire, like 10 hours I was there. I was seeing eight people a day, taking naps at work, trying to work on latte art when I wasn't like (laughs) taking naps or reading a book. (laughs) And then basically Brendan got a hold of me. So Brendan is uh, the founder of Utopian Coffee. He got a hold of me because he heard that I was I was pretty good at like doing coffee stuff, and I had a reputation um, just locally. And two of my buddies at the time were working at Utopian, 
when they need some training for the wholesale accounts, they said, well, Nick Brahaney's a dude that might be helpful. So Brendan called me and he said, you know, why don't you come up to Utopian? We'll hang out. Um, I just want to get to know you. And maybe in the future, you, we can have you do some of these like events, you know, training wholesale accounts. Um, I did one of those trainings and it went so well that he was like, hey, well, why don't you come join the team, learn a little bit about roasting, help us package. And uh, yeah, and very, just very quickly after joining the team, I was given the roasting position. Um, it was just good timing and the the previous roaster was kind of on his way out anyways. And so I was, I lucked in and I had a lot to learn real fast, yeah. but I mean, I was kind of given my dream job out of nowhere, which is crazy. It doesn't really happen often. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Nick and Levi dive into what it is like to learn skills at a new job, as well as the relationship between coffee and communities and how coffee can be so much more than just brown bean water. Stories of crying customers and firebending, and how both Levi and Nick care for their customers in unique ways. Staff turnover at a coffee shop is a massive stress on the management team, but it doesn't have to be. Creating a culture that embraces the ebb and flow of a coffee shop staffing can be a difficult task. The Timbrook Coffee Group is a consulting agency created specifically for supporting coffee shops. Type timbrook.coffee into your browser, click on schedule your free consultation, and find out how they can support your shop's unique issues from the staffing and training to systems, operations, and bar flow, as well as budget. Again, that's timbrook.coffee backslash cafe schedule. We're back with more of my conversation with Nick and Levi from Utopian Coffee. Tell me how that felt to... As you say, lucked in. So I imagine you probably felt a little over your head kind of stepping oh, yeah. into this this role that you've had no experience in. Like, tell me about just kind of how that felt, stepping into a job and doing that. Yeah, I think, like, natural as a person, I'm, a, I'm like, very self-critical. And so being put into a position where, like, I don't have the prerequisite skills to be amazing right away. Um, it was, I mean, and we roast on a 25 kilo, so 50 pounds at a, a batch, you know. And so... I was freaking out. I mean, basically there's this giant 450 degree flamethrower in front of me and I'm supposed to make coffee taste good with two dials, you know, um, gas and air. And so really quick, I mean, you just start trying things. You just start trying things. Luckily we had cropsters so I could see what the thermocouples were doing on the screen. Um, but I would take coffee home and I would just brew it up and Luckily, I, I, I always tell people who are trying to get into coffee or into roasting in particular, that the biggest asset you have to becoming a good roaster is actually your palate. Um, because I realized really quick, I was like, okay, why does my coffee not taste like stuff I was drinking from the great roasters at the time, Madcap and Hart and other roasters like that. And the Abbey Coffee Company. Yeah, yeah, and the Abbey in Marion, Indiana. I was like, why doesn't my coffee taste as good as theirs? Um, and so really quick, I just, I, I kept reading online. I stayed really open to different techniques and eventually just started getting the hang of it. And I was like, whoa, all of a sudden my coffee's tasting a little bit brighter, a little bit sweeter, not as like flat and hollow. And it was just, I mean, trial and error, like nonstop every day. And even to this day, like there are still, there's still tri trial and error every day. Every yeah. single day I roast is a learning experience and an opportunity to, to get learned. <laughs> to, be, to put it simply <laughs> yeah so Levi you you kind of mentioned this this idea of hospitality being a common thread and why you've stuck in coffee over the last 10 years I mean yeah. you're you're coming up on 10 years yeah um, so can you talk to me a little bit about the relationship between people <laughs> and coffee and just kind of your journey in that 
It's, uh, I mean, coffee is, coffee is in a lot of ways about relationship now. I mean, you could, you could dive down the rabbit trail and talk about how it's, uh, about oppression of people groups and yeah. colonialism and fire a lot bending, of, if you're new. yeah, fire uh -huh. bending, a lot of, a lot of Wizard other things. Stuff. But, you know, as we know it, like here it's in the United States and, and other developed, um, nations, like it is about relationships. It's a, it's a medium by which we spend time with people and, um, uh, something that we have conversations over, something that is, um, I don't know what percentage of people wake up in the morning and have a cup of coffee is like the first thing they do in the day. I mean, it's, it's a stimulant, but it's also, it's such a part of our lives and so interwoven that it's just what we do. Um, I love connecting with people over the coffee bar, even as a barista. I mean, I actually, I mean, at, uh, at the Abbey Coffee Company previously, in my last job as a, as a barista, like I, on multiple occasions, had um, people, like, cry on my shoulder. I just say, you're, I mean, bartenders have the same experience where you might be the only person that will actually take the time to listen to yeah. somebody talk about their problems. And, yeah, you're getting paid to do it. There's, there's, it's transactional, um, but it doesn't have to be entirely transactional. And you have this unique opportunity where through these micro interactions, day after day after day, you build up, um, you build relationship and you can build trust. And um, you might be the one person, the one opportunity that someone has uh, to share something incredibly meaningful with. Um, it seems like a small thing on the day. And that, might, that person might not even be that enjoyable to talk to on a day-to-day -day basis. You might not even like seeing them come in the door but you might be legitimately the best part of their day. Yeah. And like, that is a treasured thing. Yeah. I think, I think it's really beautiful. That's so sweet. So talk to me a little bit about how do you cultivate that connection? Because I, I don't know that that is a natural thing. I think, I think people that maybe a have an awareness or have been taught to do that can do that. But I don't know that that's naturally everyone's kind of tendency. Yeah, I think as a I think as a coffee roaster, the the interesting part about my job is for so many years, coffee roasting has really remained a like a very secret in the know, um, old boys club, if you want to call it that sort of sort of position, um, where everything's kind of like a secret. Learning how to roast is a secret. Knowing how to roast coffee good is you know something you don't talk to to other roasters about let alone people who don't know anything about coffee roasting. And so in my position, I find like, I just am a naturally rebellious person. So I'm gonna talk to every roaster about what they're up to. And I'm gonna tell them exactly what I'm doing too. Because something you learn really quick in a roasting is that even if you have the same exact machine, um, you don't. Um, your building is different. The way your air is moving in the building is different. And the way that you might enjoy your coffee tasting is going to be different than another roaster. So for me, like, I, I just, like, I'm a radically honest person. And so I, I like to tell people exactly what I do. And they, if they are down to tell me exactly what they do, we might both learn something. And if nothing else, we get to hear about how somebody else is generating flavor. So I'm just about starting the conversation, being really honest and just going with it we always have something to learn from somebody else, mm -hmm. especially in an industry like this, where yeah. 
Um, it's such a specialized industry. Not many people do this, so why would you want to keep it a secret? There, there are no secrets to roasting, by the way. Practice, <laughs> practice, and just being diligent is is the secret. Yeah. So if you can do that, you'll be a good roaster. So one of my favorite things about Nick in the coffee sphere is that um, he's incredibly curious, um, and he's not afraid to give his opinion. And so he will purchase coffee from another specialty roaster, brew it, and then. Um, he will text the roaster and give him his feedback on the coffee. Which I, is, I don't do it to be mean, okay? I not, no, it's not, it's not at all to be mean. That's what, I'm, that's right. what I'm saying. That's awesome. It's literally like you're always coming from the perspective like, oh, well, if somebody had feedback about my coffee, like I would 100% right. want to hear it. You, you, you would are, want that same feedback. Because yeah. you are always looking to be the absolute best that you can. And so yeah. you are trying to offer so that good. if that person will receive it as the gift that it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're always willing to offer that too. Yeah. Because yeah. in, in the context of Nick, incredibly humble guy. Anytime you have questions or like incredibly approachable. And so I think it's, it's that, it's that context of humility that then allows you to have the same kind of care in, in, in bluntness, right? Because yeah. you, you would want that from, when Levi, when Levi brews his AeroPress and he's like, you know, didn't quite get the sweetness that I yeah. wanted. Like, you'd, you'd want to hear that. Not because he's critiquing or trying to take your job, but because he wants you to be a better roaster. You know? yeah. and, and so, like, that's... I, I think the idea that coffee can feel so competitive, mm -hmm. but I don't think it has to be that way. And I think that's, that is one of the things I've been really drawn to by you guys at Utopian is... For you guys, coffee is this massive community and just getting to interact with you in these few pockets of places, seeing how you embody that, not just on your social media, not just in your roaster, but at different throwdowns that you go to and at, at all these cafes that you're caring for and, and kind of hearing the same thing consistently from everyone that, you're, that I'm talking to about, mm. oh, tell me about Utopian, tell me what they're up to. And it's this consistent, like, they just care about us as people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think, Levi, that is a big part of your job of, of doing kind of wholesale care. Yeah. I mean, and for, for lack of a better term, like, that, that's what you're doing. So tell me a little bit how community goes into your role, um, caring for wholesale partners and, and social yeah. media. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, wholesale is still hospitality. And that's absolutely the way that I see it. Um, it is taking care of people. We have plenty of wholesale customers that they don't need a lot of assistance. They don't need a lot of help. They're competent um, entrepreneurs. They know how to train their staff. They've been doing it for a long time. Um, and maybe when we check up, it's just like, hey, how's it going? Nice to talk to you again. What's going on in your world? We also have plenty of wholesale customers. There are so many people who want to serve coffee in a coffee shop setting or a restaurant setting that need a lot of help. They don't know where they're going or how to get there or how to get the coffee to taste right or even sometimes how to get coffee. Um, yeah. And you know, my job is, is to help them and walk them through that path. Uh, and it's my joy to be able to, to assist people in, um, in helping them in their needs. That's, it's the same thing as when I was a barista. I mean, you ask questions, you listen, um, you, you always try to, to learn um, and then when you have an opportunity to help or step into your knowledge and your strengths and share this with somebody, uh, you take the opportunity. Um, and like I was telling you before, like I love our wholesale partners and a lot of them are, 
you know, top of my phone list and they get texts and checkups and um, when they have like a good day, I might get a text about it or, you know, I mean, especially the now going through um, COVID-19 pandemic, like, you know, we have, we have a lot of wholesale partners that um, I do talk with regularly send me like their daily sales totals and be like hey we're still here man (laughs) (laughs) haven't closed the doors yet (laughs) yeah man yeah tell me about a moment where maybe a a customer or or a wholesale partner maybe like had that light bulb go off where they could see they could see why you were doing what they're doing and it it clicked for them and and something changed in that relationship does Mm -hmm. that kind of make sense yeah, I've got a good one. Um, <clears throat> we have some friends uh, in Fishers, Indiana, who run a, uh, a fa- it's a family-run coffee shop. Okay. Um, and, you know, I do wholesale. I also do sales for our company. And um, I, I really love taking care of people and being able to leverage um, that part of, of what I do. Um, and sometimes you have to sell to be able to get to that point. And especially being able to walk into a situation and say, hey, like, I believe that I have something to offer that right. is better than what you have now. But you have to have, and especially in coffee, and especially when it's the primary product for, for a company, you have to build a level of trust before um, you guys can step into that relationship. Right. Um, and those folks down at Fishers, I showed up probably like seven or eight times just dropping in. My goal is never to be pushy, but simply to present um, what we do and who we are and through consistency show that we are who we say we are. And sometimes it does take a lot of time, but uh, there was there was a moment, especially with these folks, and if they do check this out, what up, what up Jeremy? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> but, you know, I, remember, I remember this moment when Jeremy was like, you know, I think, I think you and I are uh, vibing on some of the same things. And, uh, and I was like, you know, Jeremy, I think so too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're, they're some of my favorite folks now. We have a fantastic relationship, mm-hmm. a fantastic working relationship. One of my favorite things is that it wasn't just through the sales period, but now that they are a part of um, our wholesale uh, family, um, so I'm like smacking the table, making pops on the mic. <laughs> I love it. Now they're a part of our wholesale family. Like we get to show them that continue. Like, hey, it yeah. wasn't just in the sales process. Right. It wasn't just because you wanted your dollars. Right. Um, your dollars are important. Your dollars allow us to do what we do. Right. It allows us to invest um, all the way back down through the supply uh-huh. chain and yeah. our farmer farmer partners. Yeah. So it's not just about that though. Like we care about you. Um, we want you to be a part of what we're doing. We want to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and how can we mutually support each other? Sure. And I mean, this little bit cheesy, but we really do believe that a rising tide, you know, sure. floats all the boats. Floats <laughs> all the boats. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah, Nick, tell me, being kind of behind the scenes, doing you're you're behind the scenes in the sense that you may not step into every cafe that that sells your coffee, but sure. yet you, what you create is what is being presented at, at every cafe that. So, so tell me a little bit about how that feels, kind of taking that behind the scenes role, but but at the same, it's not a behind the scenes role yeah. because you are very like what you create is very much being presented as the main attraction, um, if you will. Um, so yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about how how you kind of wrestle and process through that. Yeah, so I think um, you know the the beauty of being a roaster is like you are the 
the final person that gets to influence the coffee and maybe make, I mean, honestly, you know, in the most humble and serious way, make or break the coffee and what's going to be in the cup for the customer and for your wholesale customers. And so, you know, in my personal experience buying coffee and also being a barista for many years, one thing that was bummed me out is when you get a bag of coffee, let's say it's in Ethiopia, you expect blueberries and flowers and you get like pie crust and ash, um, ashtray. And that is completely on the roaster. And, you know, so I see my job as really like a, uh, I don't know how to put it other than like, I am handing off the beautiful quality of the farmers to the customers. I just want to be that transition piece. Mm. Um, so my job, really the focus of my job and as the person who a lot of, a lot of my job is also doing the green buying for Utopian, helping purchase the coffees that we, um, that we, I'm going to roast and we're going to serve. Um, it's really just doing due diligence from talking to the right people in the first place, getting the samples, having a good feedback loop when you get samples and um, whether they meet the expectation or don't. And sometimes you get a great sample that doesn't meet the expectation. And sometimes you get something that you didn't expect at all that blows your mind. Yeah. And so like having a good feedback loop with whoever you're working with, with samples is important. Then making sure that you, when you, once you get that in the roastery, having a plan for how you're gonna approach your initial batch or batches, you know, first couple batches, and then just making sure that I'm tasting the coffee um, throughout the course of however long we have it. Like, for example, we have a Rwanda right now that at first was a, a much more chocolatey, a much more like I would say um, baking spice, cola, like just kind of in that realm. And as it's changed over the last four months, it really has become more stone free fruit, a little bit more vanilla and a little bit more floral even. And the body of the coffee, how it sits in your mouth, has completely changed. And it's not even a bad change. It's just right. different. So the way that I've got to roast changes. I actually roasted slightly lighter than I did um, when it first came in because I think that's the yeah. best way to do it. But, yeah, that's what I love about my job is I just want to make coffee that tastes good and I want yeah. people to be excited about it. I love so. that. I can, even, I can not only hear the excitement in your voice, but I can see it in your posture. I can see it in your eyes. Don't touch that dial or screen or antenna or whatever it is that you use to listen to your podcast. After a quick break, we're going to dive into stories of receiving feedback and criticism, as well as how to creatively care for people in the coffee industry specifically. Coffee is an excellent vehicle to cultivate community. Curious how you can use coffee to leverage creating community? This is a primary pillar of Timbrook Coffee Group. And if you want to learn how they can help you cultivate community of your own through coffee, go to timbrook.coffee and contact them through their website or email them at info at We're back with more of my conversation with Nick and Levi from Utopian Coffee. Can you tell me about a time where you experienced, because you talked about this feedback loop. So yeah. either between a wholesale partner or from someone in your cafe who gave you either like, some critical feedback and then yeah. some like positive feedback and, and kind of just how you process that critical feedback and then and then how you kind of embrace and rejoice in that positive feedback. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as far as specific examples go of positive feedback, um, it, it's hard to come up with something because like I, and, and this is going to sound really bad, but it, it's not, it just is me. But I, I'm, <laughs> I do not hold on to, to positive feedback very long because I'm always trying to be better. So like somebody says, hey, you did a good job. And I'm like, yeah, it could have been better. Like I, I <laughs> you think it tastes perfect. I see all the steps to get it to, the, to where I really want it to be. But you know, like 
there was one time we actually were selling coffee to a, a wholesale customer in Indianapolis and they brewed it up on their batch brewer and they basically told us, they're like, look, you gave us a sample of this coffee. We're brewing it up on our batch for customers. Our customers aren't very happy um, and it just tastes roasty. Mm. Even, and it was, a, it was a very light roast and I was super bummed out. Um, I was really, so we do roast on another roaster too. We roast on, on, a, on a Probat P12 as well, one of the newer ones. And so we do a lot of our smaller batch light roasts on there. And so I was still getting used to roasting on the Probat, but I felt really good about the coffee and I cup everything before it leaves. And basically, I mean, I came back to the drawing board and just was like, maybe I just need to look at this coffee a completely different way. I didn't start roasting it completely differently, but I took it back to the sample roaster and, you know, come to find out, Later on, it was actually just their water quality. It was a water mm -hmm. issue. They work with another roaster that tends to roast even lighter than we do. So even our lightest roast to them tasted a little bit roasty. But when they backed off on some of the mineral content, they found that it, it wasn't roasty at all. They were just yeah. over extracting. And, mm -hmm. but like, I mean, for me, that was like a very like raw moment. Cause it was like, well, to me, this tastes perfect, but to somebody else, they could totally perceive this as something, something else. Like, I mean, you were willing to go back to square one and and rethink everything. Yeah, like that that takes that takes courage, and especially just because I yelled at him. No, <laughs> Nick, leave like just comes in, just shotgun out, like fix it. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I want to convey to listeners just like how part of creating is indeed receiving feedback. Yeah, but then also not letting that not letting that criticism not letting that feedback turn into an obstacle to continue yeah. and so you know just if if you're listening out there and and you're making that music or you're making coffee or you're, whatever it is that you're doing and you and you run into feedback you start comparing yourself you know you get in your head a just know you're not alone and it's like we've all been there yeah and one thing i'll i'll throw in you know since we're talking about like creativity and not allowing feedback whether it's positive or negative to hold you back is just remember that like you can always flip the script on something a unfinished project um you don't have to look at it as oh i haven't completed this it is that you still have unlimited potential to create exactly what you want yeah. take your time and just think outside the box and sometimes you do have to scrap something and start from the bottom up but it, it, it's a purification process, if nothing else. It's yeah. not about, um, it's not always about perfection on the first try. It's, yeah. it's, and it's not about landing on perf in perfection at the very end. It's about the whole journey. And it's going to make you a better person along the way. Yeah. Levi, I kind of I want to talk to you about just what is it like to step into a completely new role and hold that, hold that why of caring for people and then recreating how you actually do that yeah it was tough I mean it, and, it, and it is hard um, you know especially like doing doing the the wholesale care and taking care of our customers is still something that feels pretty easy and natural and it feels like customer service and even though you know I've learned to do um, things that I never had before um, you know think I mean like equipment sales or um, maintenance, um, uh, even um, and, uh, creating sales funnels and like, you know, things, yeah. things that like, things that are very different. The, the common thread there is still customer service. Um, the part where I have struggled is 
you know, in this role is, is still going to be um, probably always the sales side of it for mm -hmm. me because, like I said, I believe in what we do and, um, and, and, I, and so I want to share it with people. But I also know that everyone has so much on their plate already. And we live in such a connected world now mm -hmm. that is so noisy. And I hate to be someone who is adding even just a little bit more noise to somebody's life. Even though I know that there's the potential for there to be a really great, sure. mutually beneficial relationship. You know, and there are always going to be cases where it may not be mutually beneficial and so i'm always holding that yeah. tension of like how do you how do you discern between the two it's really difficult <laughs> honestly <laughs> yeah it's it's really hard and like sometimes you don't know until you go the distance yeah. with somebody and it, blows up in your face. and it blows up i mean you know even even today i got you know a message from somebody where um i i'd been investing in a potential partnership for a year yeah it uh it's it's not gonna happen yeah um and and that's tough you know especially and that's and that's even tough to this one where i look at it and i'm like oh i still think that this would have been right even having gone the distance i think it's like oh this would have been a really great yeah. fit to work together mm -hmm. um but there's always other circumstances involved sure. and um it doesn't always work yeah. and, and if it doesn't work like that's okay too yeah um i gotta trust that what they are going to do is still going to be better for their company. I mean, sure. I am not the steward of their company. Right. They will always be more invested in their company than I will. Right. You know, and and so it's it's just not my decision. I yeah. just have to put it out there. Do you? I, and I'm I'm speaking from experience, trying to step in with people and just hearing that no sometimes and being like, either a I didn't communicate what I thought I was trying to communicate, or like maybe what I'm offering isn't as good as I think it is, or, yeah. or maybe it was just a myth. How, how do you take that internal struggle and then continue to have positive energy to go into that next interaction, whether it's, yeah. whether it's with that person that's giving you the shoulder or it, whether it's with someone else? It's tough. And it's, it's actually, and it depends on how the door is left too, because sure. I, I firmly believe that even even a no mostly means not right now yeah. unless someone explicitly tells me like no not no ever yeah and so I'm like I have to go it's, it's like a, a catch 22 because it's, sure. it's like I know that not everyone will work with us right but I go into the role believing that everyone will work with us. Sure. And, and that's the mentality that I carry. And so, you know, also detaching yourself personally, knowing that, like, like although I am the center of my world, I am far from the center <laughs> of the world for the people that I'm talking to yeah. in these situations. Oh, and, so, and so removing myself and saying, like, honestly, like, it's not about me at all. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be about me. Yeah. Um, unless I make it about me and so being able to detach myself detach myself from the process yeah. and say I'm simply like a vessel for this thing that we're doing yeah. and I am representing something that is not me as a human or like who I am internally yeah that makes it a lot easier yeah. you know to deal with rejection yeah yeah dang and I, yeah. I, I love I love that I, I was like, hey, I have this intention for this podcast. Like, I would love to hear this story. 
um, and then ended up completely talking about something yeah. else, which I would right. honestly... It's okay. Yeah, I, but I, I think... I think it's sweet, and it, it's been really cool to kind of hear just a little bit about your guys' journeys and, and how you guys create and, and push into making something beautiful, which I think is part of just utop Utopian's ethos is, is better coffee for a better world, right? And so yeah, you guys are, yeah. you guys, in, in every aspect of what you're doing, trying to, whether it's in how you partner with wholesalers or how you roast coffee or, or, or how you market, mm -hmm. um, trying to create a better place yeah. um which i i love that because that, that's man. what the world needs so thank you for coming on oh dude thanks for this. uh yeah this is awesome it's we love talking about what we do yeah, so, yeah for thanks real. for giving us the platform yeah, dude. Yeah, um, <laughs> will you guys just kind of plug how people can get your coffee like yeah just plug yourselves yeah absolutely um you can find it on the internet uh <laughs> if you, you have can, an internet if you have an internet an internet machine <laughs> Uh, you can Google Utopian Coffee, and that's going to be the, we should be the top hit. Um, so you can get to us that way. But utopiancoffee.com uh, is our retail site. Um, if you're interested in wholesale, you can, there's a, there's a drop down from our main website that's got wholesale on it, and you can find me through there. Um, you can also just email me, yeah. Levi at utopiancoffee.com. Um, you can also call a phone number, also listed on Google. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Utopia Coffee. I heard also that if you yell Marco Polo really loud, Nick will answer. Yeah, Probably because he's a wizard. Mm -hmm. It is because he's a you wizard. gotta you gotta say it really loud. But I, I've heard rumor he took yeah. his hat off halfway through the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Nick, you got anything else? Uh, um, we go. Yeah, uh, I do have one more thing to say. <laughs> I think. Um, hopefully another time we can cover, we do direct relationship coffee. We get to invest in farmers at the countries of origin in some really cool and unique ways. Um, and one way we've done that is by helping farmers in Colombia transition from growing coca to coffee. Um, so going from basically drug trafficking and being a part of that world to um, much more sustainable living, being in specialty coffee. And hopefully we can have a conversation about that soon. But you can find all that information on our website. We have a really cool mini doc. We also post about it on Instagram a lot. So check that out. Yeah, yeah for real. Thanks, man. Well, Levi, Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks, Trent. It is my joy to give people the platform to talk about what they love. I hope that in people hearing about different art and creative endeavors across the country, it inspires them to see and to listen to others' perspectives. If you haven't checked out Utopian Coffee before, do it. They're awesome. Nick is roasting some incredibly delicious brews. And if you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana, go check out their new cafe in the Landing District. They have a kitchen and a sister brewing company that kind of help give the space this really neat, cohesive vibe. So you can go get coffee, you can get food, you can get a beer. When you go in, ask for Nick or Levi. Tell them that Trent sent you. Nick mentioned it at the end of the episode, but we're looking forward to having these guys on the podcast again to talk about their Coke to Farm program, which helps get cocaine farmers in Southern and Central America out of farming cocaine and starting to farm coffee in a sustainable business relationship. And as you'll hear in the podcast, it's a lot easier said than done. So keep on the lookout for more from Utopian Coffee in the near future. Special thanks on this week's episode to Quentin Bemis, who gave me some help on the production side of the podcast. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode. This is Trent signing off until next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Music for this season of the Curator's Cup podcast is brought to you by Whitaker. To listen to more of their work, go find them on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere music is sold. 
You can also find them on their website at whitakerband.com. This podcast is produced by Timbrook Group. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, share us with your friends, let us know what you want to hear more of. You can also support our podcast by going to our website, timbrook.group backslash podcast, and clicking on support or by emailing us at support at timbrook.group. Thanks for listening and keep on creating. Talking loud enough for this guy, am I? Can, I, I can fix anything. <laughs> <laughs> Try and fix anything. <laughs> All comes out in the wash and post, right? You fix That's my broken heart. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's less coffee, more beer. Yeah, there we go.